Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, the Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters starting on Global Cat Day, October 16th, around the country, and will travel nationwide through 2022. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of earlier festivals for free on Tubi TV. I am back with Dr. Michael Delgado. She's such an amazing cat behavior consultant. She really is there for the cat. She speaks for the cats. And I'm wondering, Dr. Michael, about cats' attitudes and personalities. Are they set in stone, or is it something that with our correct attitude and intervention, we can change it a little bit to suit ourselves more? I mean, that seems kind of selfish because you should just accept your cat how they are. But is what do you think of that kind of philosophical idea about whether you can alter a cat to be more, I don't know, the way you want the cat to be, whatever that might be? Usually it's affectionate, right? I yes, feel like it, that's is. A, it is. It is. Or playful. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is a great question, and it really um, gets into some of the kind of what we understand about animal personality or, you know, even human personality, right? What affects it? What makes your cat who they are? And we usually look at a few different things. One is the genetics, right? So some of personality is based on your genetics. Mm -hmm. That might affect how you respond to stress, um, how you cope with new situations. And one study that was done many years ago suggested that, for example, the trait that we call boldness, which is kind of how outgoing or, you know, comfortable you are in dealing with the unknown, um, is inherited in cats through the dad. So cats with a, oh. a bolder father were more likely to um, be bolder themselves. Now, of course, most of us, when we get a cat, we don't know anything about the parents. Right. We got them from a rescue. I mean, yep. if you get, get them from a breeder, you you may have an opportunity to actually meet your kitten's parents. But when, you know, most of us are getting um, cats on the street or through Craigslist or, you know, a shelter. And so we don't know anything about our cat's genetics. And there's been, you know, not any research that I'm aware of, like really tying genetics to personality traits at this stage, although I predict that before long, we'll have a little bit more on that front than we have right now. But we know that, you know, first of all, your cat comes into the world with certain genes that might make them more swinging one way or the other. <laughs> not, right. It's not going to be 100%, but that's going to have an effect. And then we know that, of course, there's um, what we call the um, early socialization period, sometimes it's called the sensitive period. And that's, the time between like two to eight or nine weeks of age where kittens are very um, adaptable to learning things about their environment. Um, they can learn that people are associated with good things, that handling is safe, that, um, you know, new things are interesting, or they can learn that 
humans are scary or um, that, you know, certain types of handling are stressful. And so it's a really important time for people to be working with kittens in a positive way, being handling them gently, getting them used to being touched all over, introducing them to different types of people, other animals. Um, and this is where like people who foster kittens really play a big role in yes. um, their, whether a, a cat is going to be um, comfortable with, with different things when they're older. So that's kind of the second pillar of personality. And then I'd say the third pillar of personality is, is the environment that the cat currently lives in. And that could include like, do they like living with other animals? Um, is this house chaotic and loud or is it quiet and calm? Um, do they get things, um, you know, like enrichment and playtime that can help them thrive and be more comfortable and, and kind of be a healthy adult cat. And I think any of us can think of times in our lives where maybe we've been living in stressful conditions um, that it, we were still the same person, but maybe we were a less happy version of that yes. person, right? A more stressed or anxious version of that person. And so I think the same thing can happen to our cat. So, so as far as like, can you make your cat be X, Y, or Z? I mean, a lot of people say like, can, you know, can you turn my cat into a lap cat or can um, you help my cat be less nervous around strangers? And I think, you know, kind of hinted at this. It's like you can move the needle in one direction or the other, but you're only going to move that needle so much, <laughs> um, especially if you have an adult cat who's, you know, already we've got the genes, you know, the early socialization has already passed. So now we have to kind of work with the kitty we have um, and help them feel more comfortable with certain things. And that may or may not um, happen. I mean, I've definitely known people who their relationship with their cat has changed over the years. Their cat who used to be more active, suddenly wants to sit next to them on the couch a little more, or maybe even gets in the lap. Um, so it's not like your cat is, um, you know, what you have right now, there's no hope that things will, will change or get better or move more in a direction you want to. But what I think tends to happen is if people want their cat to be more cuddly or affectionate is that they tend to try to force force yes. their cat to be more cuddly and affectionate by trying to hold their cat all the time. You know, I, so many people say like, well, my cat doesn't like being held like a baby. And I'm like, why are you still doing it? You know, like, <laughs> like, why are you still trying to pick her up like, and hold her like a baby? Like she doesn't like it. Keep, if you keep doing it to her, she's not going to just one day be like, oh, I love this. Um, she's going to be like, oh, here comes my human again. And they're going to pick me up and squeeze me and try to hold me in a way that makes me uncomfortable. So, you know, you have to really approach it with this feeling of like, compassion and patience and um, kind of understanding what can help change behavior and what is going to be counterproductive. So like forced handling counterproductive. Yeah, definitely. I guess one of the ways that I'm thinking about is, is almost more subtle than that in terms of mm -hmm. changing personality. It isn't really changing their personality. It's changing mm -hmm. the way you interact with a cat and allowing their personality to flourish. It's a thought I've been having a lot about cats and the people who live with them. And people think, mm -hmm. well, that's an aloof cat. That's just who that cat mm -hmm. is. All mm -hmm. respected even. Let's say they even out of the yeah. goodness of their heart say, well, I guess that's just my aloof cat. But it may yeah. be, and this is a kind of idea that I've come around to, that cats are, are a really good example of you reap what you sow. And if yeah. you simply leave your cat alone to be aloof to be sitting way up on their cat tree or the back of the couch 
And you say, ah, well, he's not coming over to me and asking for attention or asking to play or asking to have a harness put on and go for a walk. I think it's because a lot of people don't want to take that or don't know how to take the first step, the first steps with a cat to encourage a kind of open dialogue in a sense where you, I don't know if it's sitting quietly with a cat and doing the blinking and the looking in the eyes thing or noticing when a cat approaches you somewhat that that cat is trying to open a dialogue. And if you miss those cues, the cat basically feels that you're an aloof person. How many cats do you think think, ah, if only I had a person that was a little more outgoing, a little more fun, a little more like into, hey, let's use that mouse on the end of a fishing pole and really go for it for, you know, six minutes. Is is Do you think that that's possible, that people have a kind of shyness around cats that they don't with dogs and they feel well, that they don't want to invade the cat's space? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the limitations comes from seeing the only way you can interact with your cat as a physical relationship right, where you're right. holding a cat or mm-hmm. petting them mm-hmm. and not recognizing that you can use things like clicker training or um, playtime with interactive toys to help your cat. Um, you know, certainly I think, um, yeah, I think that's one limitation is just only thinking about the petting and the cuddling. And I think when you make your cat happy and give them choice, like I'm really into like with handling, especially um, really giving your cat choices and giving, allowing them to kind of show that they like it or don't like it. Yes. That they're struggling and trying to get away. They don't like what you're doing. Um, if they stay and, you know, for example, if you don't know if your cat wants to be petted right now, instead of petting your cat, um, offer them your hand to sniff. And often a cat who wants to be touched will rub into your finger and rub into your hand. And then you're getting a cue like, oh, I should, you know, give you a little bit of petting. Um, so, so that's an opportunity where you're offering your hand and giving your cat the choice to sniff or ignore. And mm-hmm. if they ignore that, they probably do not want to be touched right now. And this used to happen at the animal shelter I worked with a lot, like where we had um, uh, rooms for the cats. And so the volunteers could go in and sit with the cat. And often um, at some point the cat would... Um, walk away from the volunteer or turn their back. And a lot of volunteers would actually get nipped because they would try to pet the cat goodbye. And it's like, no, the cat already <laughs> said goodbye. <laughs> right? Like you, when the cat walks away from you or turns their back to you, you they're just done. leave. Like they said goodbye and you don't, they're not going to be offended if you just leave the room. So, um, so I think, you know, a lot of it is also just kind of projecting our feelings or what, what's normal social behavior for us. You know, when we're scared, we want to be hugged or comforted. A lot of cats, when they're scared of something, do not want to be touched in that moment. Um, they just need a, a place to feel safe and, and decompress. So I think there's, um, you know, again, just understanding what your cat is saying. Like people do struggle with that sometimes. And then they also get kind of hooked into this idea that the only way I can have a relationship with my cat is if we're physical and, and we're cuddling or they're letting me touch them or pet them a lot. And and some cats really just do not enjoy a lot of handling. Like maybe they want to sit on your lap, but they don't want you to pet them. Or maybe they right. want to sit next to you, but on you. And so you really have to... Um, and, you know, the whole idea of personality is like the traits that are, are kind of stable in you that make you the individual you are, right? So when I talk to Tracy today, I kind of know what to um, expect or what, what our conversation is going to be like and how we interact. And so if we talked again in a month and you were very different, I'd be like, huh, like that's weird. Mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm. not the Tracy I know. And so the yeah. same is true, you know, personality is really 
certain things about you that are consistent across different conditions. And so, again, if your cat doesn't doesn't like um, certain types of handling today, they're probably not going to like them tomorrow. And so then the question is, well, what if we have to do um, something like, you know, trim our cat's nails or medicate them or I want my cat to like certain things? And it's like, well, then that's where we can use training to, um, you know, positive reinforcement training to help them. Um, like certain things. I mean, I think clicker training or positive reinforcement training is a fun way to build a relationship with your cat, whether or not you need to trim their nails or groom them. You know, it's like you can train them to do some tricks and jump through a hoop or sit on a mat. And that's very fun and enriching. It's a different way to interact with your cat. And then if it's more like, well, I, I really want to brush their teeth because my dentist said I should brush their teeth twice a week. And then we're talking about training for something more practical. Or I want to train my cat to go into their carrier so that going to the vet isn't as stressful, right? So that's a little different. But again, we use similar, like we're using positive reinforcement methods to help them, um, you know, basically have good associations with things that maybe in the past they, they were not so comfortable with. So I think we have lots of tools to again, move the needle in a certain direction and, and really avoid um, imposing a lot of stress on our cats, right? So being handled against your will is stressful. Um, being shoved into a cat carrier is stressful. Um, you know, having, a, you know, having your nails trimmed can be stressful if you're not used to having your paws handled in a way that's not um, maybe more forceful. So really just being thoughtful in how we approach our cats can help. And I will say, you know, the, I, I do think the environment is, is a big factor. I've, I've known a lot of people who had multiple cats and then when one cat passed away, you know, the owner's devastated, but maybe one of the other cats is actually quite happy. Um, right. And they kind of come out of their shell. I mean, that happened to me. I had two cats who were actually very friendly with one another. I mean, they cuddled all the time, but when the older one passed away, the younger one just blossomed. And I realized like his, you know, his personality had been squished a little bit, but mm-hmm. the other cat was very, like had a very strong personality and kind of, you know, a little bossy, but um, you know, so sometimes it is like other factors that are um, maybe what's impacting your cat and how they behave around you um, when there's, you know, a lot of animals in the house or there's kind of competing personalities or, you know, they're competing for resources. So, I've definitely seen that happen where, um, yeah, a cat kind of blossoms when their circumstances change a little bit. Or as you said, a chaotic household that has one or more Mm -hmm. children coming and going with friends or not. And the cat Mm -hmm. basically just has to lie low in a a situation like that. Because who knows what's going to happen next? It's, it's, It's chaotic. It's unpredictable. There's a lot of foreign smells and sounds. But if you have, I I've always thought that you walk by a cat, who's napping or restful, you know, even eyes shut, but clearly partially awake. And if you mm-hmm. took a minute to talk to them, I think mm-hmm. this is something we don't do enough with cats. I've had a number of cats that wound up going on walks with my dogs and me. I never invited them to, but once I knew they wanted to, I could whistle for them and say their names and they would come and I'd say, we're going on a walk. And they are able to understand words the way dogs are individual human words that have to do with mm-hmm. activities, you know, whether it's eating yep. or, or playing. And if we, I just think there is a way to change a cat's attitude or personality by stopping in our tracks, not rushing past all the time thinking, well, the cat's fine. The cat's over there asleep. The cat's, you know, chill. Maybe the cat's just waiting for someone to say, Hey bub, how's it going? You know, yeah. even if you just stopped for a minute and didn't have to touch them, as you say, but stop near them 
and maybe even looked at them. They, they obviously, at this, yeah, they, they obviously know you already. I mean, not if they're, you know, you're a stranger to them, they're going to take off and say, how's your day going? I know that sounds nutty, but I do think that the <laughs> way we talk to our animals, they pick yeah. up on our tone of voice and our words. And if we yeah. acknowledge them just by saying, hey, you look really beautiful today, sweetie. Now that sounds kind of goofy, but I think the way that we say that, the, the tone of voice the affect in which yeah. we interact yeah. with, with cats is something that we don't give enough credit for. And cats respond yeah. to it, but they have mm -hmm. to, you have to be the first one to offer it. That's just, my feeling is that we're always thinking, well, if the cat didn't offer it, then never mind. As opposed right. to, yeah. I'm going to take the risk, the emotional risk, or the embarrassment of there's other people around, of talking <laughs> to the cat as if it's another living sentient being. Hey, guess what? It is. And just acknowledge yep. their presence with kind of kindness and love and not have to do anything, but just, sure. you know, acknowledge their, their being. I do think that that yep. could affect a cat, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm guilty of talking to my cats all the time. And a lot of times when we communicate with our pets, we do use a higher tone of voice. Mm -hmm. um, in the, you know, it's sometimes called motherese, which is maybe a little sexist because it's, right, it's right. you know, but it is um, a tone of voice that, that we tend to use for, for individuals we're caring for, whether they're human or, or other nice. animals. So it's like, you know, I love you, you know, your voice goes up and, and yes. certainly animals probably more likely to respond to like shorter words than like words with lots of syllables. But, um, but it's been shown that that type of communication is, more effective in getting the attention of infants and, you know, puppies. I don't, I don't know that anyone's studied it in cats, but, um, but there's no reason to think that it wouldn't have the same effect. And I also am like a big um, fan of just your intentions can have yes, an effect, which that's is why what I, think. I don't recommend like naming your cat, you know, jerk Grumpy. face or anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, name them something nice and cute. And so like, yep. um, so, so to me, I do think that, you know, our mindset is a, a really important piece of this. And, you know, my last cat who passed away um, about a year and a half ago was the most incredibly physically affectionate cat I've ever had. I mean, she was just the best. And now I have three cats that are much more independent. Um, they like handling, but it is much more on their terms. So it's been um, a really good reminder for me in like kind of the personal struggle between what I want and what they want. And, um, and I've had to, you know, really learn to accept and let them have a, a lot more space than I was used to just because my last cat just wanted to be held 24 seven, which, you know, like, you know, very well, different. I so, think, I think it's an important message to people that we can yeah. change and our cats can change. We've run out of time, but it's great to talk to you, Dr. Michael Miguel Gatto. And I hope people will turn to you when they want to learn better how to communicate with their own cats. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food even as part of your kitty's diet.